All right, we're going to talk about blindness today. Blindness. Uh, you ever heard of prosopagnosia? Anybody? Anyway, it's a rare neurological disorder. Some people are born with it. A few people get it as a result of a head injury. Very few people it ever happens to, but when it does, it's not good. Uh, I don't know if you knew this about your brain, but the different parts of the brain control different things. You, you probably knew that. You know, the front part controls motor memory and motor movement. Uh, we, we speak out of the left side of our brains. We sing out of the right side of our brains. That's why people like Mel Tillis who can't speak stutter. They can sing so beautifully. But different parts of the brain do different things. But in the very back of your brain at the bottom is a tiny little, just a tiny little, I wouldn't dare try to scientific name for it, tiny little thing. And it controls one thing. It controls facial recognition. It's what lets you look at somebody and say, I know them. It's what lets you see a face and say, I've seen you somewhere before. It's what lets you recognize your child in a marching band or something like that. Facial recognition. Prosopagnosia is when you're born with that thing disordered and you have no ability to recognize faces. You, you just can't see, you don't know faces. Your wife would walk up to you. She'd look like a total stranger. You can't recognize her. Very few people have it, but it's, it's very difficult. makes life difficult. People that have it, folks around them learn to speak. When they walk up to them, they'll know, they'll know you by your voice because you wouldn't know your own mom if she was standing in front of you. Uh, the common term for it is called face blindness. It's a rare disorder, and you're born with that thing. Some people have it as a brain injury. <clears throat> but it's when you're just blind to who, I mean, they're standing right in front of you. You can't tell who they are. Well, there's a, in the Bible, there's a thing called spiritual prosopagnosia. God be standing right in front of you, and you can't see him. We're going to look at one of the strangest passages in the Bible. They're one of my favorites, one of the most humorous passages in the Bible. And it's about, a, it's about blindness. But the question I want to ask you at the end is, who's blind here? John chapter 9, this happened one day in the life of Jesus. Verse 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that caused him to be born blind? Doesn't that just sound like religious people? Always wanting to find what's wrong. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, neither one of them but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. One of the seven great statements Jesus made about himself in the Bible. I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spit in the ground and made clay with the spit and the dirt. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. That means he took that spit and mud and put it in his eyes. I don't bother y'all. It would if I did it to you. <laughs> this is not what we're talking about today, but let's learn something here. Would you be willing to let him do whatever he wanted to do, even if it seemed weird to you, to help you? We've got to learn that. All right, let's go. Verse 7, he said to him, go wash it off in the pool of Siloam, which is translated the pool of sin. So he went and washed and came back seeing. He went and washed that mud out of his eyes, and he came back, he could see. This guy's 30-some years old. Been sitting beside the road begging all his life. This preacher walks by, and the guy says, who, who, who is it? He said, come here to me. Remember, this, this guy didn't call on Jesus. He didn't know who he was. He heard a voice say, stand up and come here. So he came, and he, as he walked over there, his friend helped him, and he, he didn't hear anything, and he heard this. And he said to his friend, what's he doing? He said, just be quiet. And you know, it takes a little bit to get enough spit to make mud balls. And then all, he didn't, remember, he, remember he can't see, he's blind. All of a sudden he feels something in his eyes. I think he had an idea what was going on then. And this, this guy he'd never met before, never even heard of him. And he hears his voice say, walk through town. Go wash, go to the pool. Of, so everybody knew this little pool and go wash that off your eyes. He didn't tell him he'd be healed. Is this a strange day for this boy or what? For some, and this is the great mystery to me, he went and did it. What would you do? You're putting that crap in my hoop. What's wrong with you? A preacher did this two weeks ago in Oklahoma and made headline news, and they lit him up. Anyway, he can see now, but you know what? After I'd see, I wouldn't care what happened. If I could see, I'd be thrilled. 
All right. Very, things are going great. Everything's wonderful. He came back saying, verse 8, Therefore the neighbors, those who previously had seen he was blind, said, Isn't this the guy who sat and begged? Some said, That's him. Others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I'm him. All right. They said to him, How were your eyes open? How can you see now? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay, put it in my eyes, and told me to go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. I went and washed it off, and I could see. And they said, well, where's he at? He said, I don't have a clue. I have no idea. They brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. Why do we do this stuff? Anytime you see Pharisee in the Bible, it's just minister. This is what you called the local preachers back then. So they decide that these people are, we don't see this today. And back in primitive medicine, they sure didn't see it. So this guy, he can see now. I can see him, see him, see me. Let's take him to the preacher and see what they think. Dumb move. Why do we want to know what preachers think? It's beyond me. So they brought him to the Pharisees. Verse 14, it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay. Now you understand Sabbath. Sabbath was their holy day like our Sunday. And one of the Ten Commandments, honor the Sabbath. Thou shalt do no labor on the Sabbath. And Jesus was a healer. That's his job. So if he heals on the Sabbath, he has labored on the Sabbath and he's broken our rules. Religious people, they're strange. All right, he did it on the Sabbath. There's a reason. Verse 14, it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and healed his eyes. The Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He said, he put clay in my eyes and I washed it off and I can see. Verse 16, watch this. Some of the ministers said, this man is not from God. Let me ask you a question. Who's this man from God? Jesus. They said, Jesus, Jesus healed this man's eyes and they said, He's not from God. Because apparently he didn't fit in their little box. Does God have to fit in your box? He didn't fit in his little box. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Was this man God? Let me quote to you from John chapter 1. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was the Word. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. And God became a man and walked on the earth. And his name was Jesus. Jesus was not from God. Jesus is God Almighty. Stepped down to the earth. You know what? You want to see something humorous to me? Do you, would you think ministers would know God? What do y'all think? Would you think ministers would know when God was working? God's standing right in front of the ministers and the ministers say, that's not God. Who's blind now? And it's weird. The ministers are staring right at God and can't see him. God's working. They don't know it. It's weird. All right, he's not from God because he doesn't keep our rules. And they said, well, if he's not from God, how does he do these things? Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, well, he's a prophet. Oh, he's in trouble now. He should have stuck with the Nicene. The Jews didn't believe. They did not believe concerning Jesus or the, the man that he'd been blind. So they called his parents. They said, are you crazy? This guy, they knew him. For 36 years, he's been sitting right outside the temple begging for money because he's blind. Now, guess what they're saying? He wasn't blind. He was messing with us the whole time. They didn't believe he was blind. You've been giving him money for years. They said, no, he's lying. Get his mom and daddy in here. We'll ask them. So they call his mom and daddy in. Verse 19, they ask them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he see? His parents said to them, well, we know this is our son. Congratulations for you. You got that right. We know this is our son and uh, that he was born blind. But who opened his eyes? We, we have no idea. He's of age. Ask him. He said, look, he's a grown man. Ask him. <clears throat> his parents said these things, verse 22, because they were scared of the religious leaders. Because the Jews, watch this, had already confessed. If anyone confessed Christ, he'd be thrown out of the church have got to be kidding me. The preachers decided if you believe in God, we're going to throw you out of the church. You say, how did they do this back then? I'm not really concerned with how they did it back then. I want to know why they're doing it now. How can God be working in front of somebody and you not see it? Why is it that you want to follow Jesus and the, and the leaders want to kick you out of the church? Strange, strange. Just religion stuff, strange. Well, Verse 33, his parents said, he asked him. Verse 24, they called the man who was blind and said to him again, give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. Did the preachers just call God a sinner? Who's blind? 
He answered and said, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I used to be blind, now I can see. All right, let's learn something right here. Quit arguing with people. Quit going deep. Quit trying to answer goofy questions. Just tell them, I used to be lost, now I'm found. My life was a mess and Jesus has made it good. I can't answer your questions. You're going to need to call somebody else. But I know this. I used to be lonely and now I've got a friend in Jesus. Listen, don't go any deeper than this man did right here. I was lost. Now I see. That's all they needed to say right there. He's fixing to screw up. He should have stuck with this. Verse 26. They said to him again, listen to me. When people don't want to see God, they'll aggravate you to death with questions. Then it's either you can see him or you can't. And he said, how did he open your eyes? He answered and said, I told you and you're not listening. <laughs> I think he's fixing to get in trouble. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? Oh, he really messed up there, didn't he? <laughs> they reviled him. You know what that means? They came down on him like Grant came down on Richmond. I mean, they jumped him and said, you are his disciple. We are Moses' disciples. Can I ask you a question? Does anybody here know how many years Moses has been dead by this time? <laughs> 800 years. Let me make an announcement. If he died 800 years ago, go and bury him. It's time to quit following Moses. By the way, this is the definition of a Pharisee. They're excited about what God was doing yesterday, but they can't see what he's doing today. And they'll kill what God is doing today in the name of what he did yesterday. I love them old hymns. I do too. I sing them more than I do anything else. Do you love the old hymns? Or do you love Jesus? The hymns are just supposed to point you to Jesus. It's not about the Psalms. It's about the man. And we need to see what he's doing today. All right, I'm getting a little bogged down here. We know God spoke to Moses, yada, yada. We don't know where he's from. And then this guy preaches one of the greatest sermons. He said, and the he's basically said, look, we, you can, how can you be a sinner and do this? Nobody's ever opened anybody's eyes. If this man weren't from God, he couldn't have done this. He preaches one of the greatest sermons you ever heard. And they answer him, verse 34, they answered him and said, you were completely born in sins and you're teaching us and they threw him out of the church. You ever heard of an unteachable spirit that thinks it knows it all? There's a reason you can't see anything. Jesus heard that, verse 35, they'd cast him out and Jesus found him. Relax. If the ministers throw you out of the church, Jesus will look you up. You'll be in better company. And he said, do you believe in the son of God? And he said, who is he, Lord? Look right here. He ain't even saved yet. He's not even a follower of Jesus yet. And he just preached one of the greatest sermons you ever heard. He doesn't even believe in God yet. And, and, but Jesus said to him, do you believe in me? And, and what did he say? I don't even know who you are. I have no idea who he is. And then Jesus said this to him. Verse 36. He said, I, I don't know who you are. Verse 37. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it's he who's talking with you. And he said to him, Lord, I believe. And he started worshiping. Right there's where he met God. God's already worked a miracle in his life. He's already had it out with the preachers and preached one of the greatest sermons you ever heard. Now he finally meets God. It's strange, isn't it? But he believes in him. You know why he believed in him? Because he saw him. And he heard his voice. And he said, Lord, I believe. All right, now watch verse 39. Jesus said, for judgment I've come to this world that those who do not see may see. Tell me why Jesus came into the earth. So people could see something. Jesus said, I've come into this earth so people can see something. It's not the only reason he came. And that those who see may be made blind. Jesus came to earth to blind people. Right there it is. But he also came to help people see. And we're not talking about these physical eyes either. He said, that's why I came. All right, let's go around with the preachers a little more. Verse 40. Some of the ministers who were with him heard these words and said, are we blind also? They're being a smart out. You think we're blind? And Jesus answered them, verse 41, said to them, if you were blind, you'd have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. You know what his answer was? Yep. Yep. All right, this story about blindness, the question is, who's blind? It's not the man born physically blind. It's the ministers who are blind. God's right in front of them. They can't see him. They got what you call spiritual prosopagnosio or whatever it is. <laughs> they're, they're, they're face blind. They can't see the face of God. Look, you want to see something strange? Ministers can't see God. They can't recognize God working, but a man who's not even a Christian can see God and knows that it's God working. Isn't this strange? 
Let me ask you a question. What about you? Can you see God? I didn't ask you if you've heard about him intellectually. Do you see God? Can you see him working around you? Can you see his face? I mean, this is not about a story yesterday. This, this is for us today. Do you see God working? So, Brother Brian, I, I thought God quit working when the Bible was closed. Let's memorize John 5, 17. My Father is working today. God's in the earth today. He's doing things today. The question is not, is God working? Was God working in this passage? Uh, yeah. Why couldn't the minister see it? There was a blindness. And this blindness kept them from seeing what God was doing around them. But this guy who had no religious training, he couldn't see nothing but God. So this is strange. Years ago, uh, there was a professor who was an atheist. Those two seemed to go together. And he was an atheist and he was real smart. And he saw a little boy this years ago walk into Sunday school and had his little Sunday school book in his hand. We used to have Sunday school books as kids. And he said to the little boy, he said, son, I see you Sunday school, but I said, do you believe in God? He said, yes, sir. And he laughed. He said, son, I'll give you a dime if you can tell me where God is. It's a long time ago. I'll give you a dime if you can show me where God is. That little boy got the funniest look on his face. He said, mister, I'll give you a dollar if you can show me where he's not. <laughs> now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something wrong there. This professor had been to college, graduate degrees. The little boy wasn't even out of elementary school. Who would you think could know stuff more? How can you know so much and be blind and know so little and see? You don't find God because you've got a big head. You don't find God because you're smart or been to school. All through the Bible, you got people who could see God, and then you got other people who couldn't. Guess who saw him the least in the Bible? Those who were the most religious. Guess who saw him the most? There is it's not your head. It's not a smart charge. It's not whether you go to church or not. The, uh, the, the question is, do you see? How, how is it that people who've had so much training can't find God anywhere and people who weren't even looking can find him? How's that work? I want you to turn me to Matthew 11. Let's let Jesus answer that question. Why is it that some people are just... Jesus is the great, Jesus is everything to them. He's the greatest thing in the world. And other people, they never think about him. What's the difference? This is one of the most, let me help you understand verses you ever read. Matthew eleven twenty five. Jesus said this. At that time, Jesus answered, and he was going, they were going around with preachers who couldn't see Jesus. At that time, Jesus answered, and I want you to watch what Jesus said. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, but you've revealed yourself and these things to babes. Does that verse right there say that God's hiding himself? Sure does. Does that verse right there say that God is showing himself to people? Now the question is, who got to see God and who didn't? Father, I praise you that you're hiding yourself and what you're, these things, what you're doing from the wise and the prudent. If you read it in the original language, you'd read it like this. Father, I praise you that you're hiding yourself and what you're doing from the wise and prudent in their own eyes. People who think they know everything. People who think they're real smart, got it all figured out. There's a blindness. And whose hands are over their eyes? That's the eyes of your heart. God's. What is a babe? Babe mean 18 months and under? No, what does babe mean in the Bible? Humble. I, God's hiding himself from people that are real smart. But God's showing himself to humble people that say, I, I just want to know if you're out there. I just want to know if you're real. I don't know. I don't know this stuff. Can you see in this verse where that God hides himself, but he reveals himself? Let me make an announcement. He's so big and he's so whatever you want to call it. If he decides to hide from you, you'll never find him. But he's so wonderful and so big, if he decides to show himself to you, you'll see him everywhere. I thank you that you're hiding yourself, Father. Matter of fact, Jesus goes on to say, nobody ever sees God unless I show him to you, unless I touch your heart. Right, here, here's, the, uh, here's what I'm, I've just met people all my, I love to talk to people about God and I don't preach to them in private. I just love to ask people, what do you think about God? 
you get the strangest answers. I don't, I don't, I just want to listen. You know, if you'll just listen, the father will do something. I'm fishing with this guy a while back and uh, he was 72 years old because he told me. He's a football player, played for uh, Miami Dolphins, he's a running back, and he got hurt and it ended his career. So he became, he started fishing. That's what people do, can't do anything else. They go fishing. And he decided to be a fisherman. So I'm fishing with him one day. And while we're fishing, I asked him, I said, Chad, I'm going to ask you a question. I said, you're a Jesus man. I said, you follow God? Do you know God? And he got the funniest look on his face. 72 years old. Got the funniest look on his face. He said, well, I don't know. I, I never thought about it. 72 years and you ain't never thought about where'd all this come from. Live a, you live in the most beautiful place God ever created. And in one time you never ask, I wonder if somebody made this stuff. 72 years blind. And I said, well, apparently I'm in the right boat today. We need to have a talk. I, I talk to people all the time and you ask them about God, they just, it ain't there. Then I, I, I was in a, I've done this a lot. I've been in a grocery store and I heard this older lady singing on the aisle on the other side of her and I said, you love Jesus, don't you? She said, honey child, honey child. When somebody says honey child, that means yes. And it's not a head knowledge either. All right, let me ask you a question. Suppose you wanted to see God. You wanted to find him. What would you look with? How would, where would you look? So I guess you'd go to church. Oh my goodness. Didn't you see what happened when the boy went to church? How about a telescope? Two years ago, a man died and he was considered the most intelligent man on the planet at the time. He was brilliant. He was an astrophysicist named Stephen Hawking. And what he did with his mind to discover the secrets of the universe, I, I can't, I just have to put it down. It's over my head. Most brilliant man that ever lived in that generation. He would be the Einstein of our era. And Stephen Hawking, right before he died, he said this, I have searched the universe over. And he had access to the most powerful telescope in the world, the Hubble telescope. He said, I've searched the universe over. There is no God. He believes in him now. <laughs> But as an old man, he'd search all his life, most smartest man on the planet, greatest telescopes. He said, I can't find God anywhere. How can the world's smartest man with the most powerful telescope not find God and a dumb truck driver in Hall River sees him everywhere? <laughs> Got to be more than the head, isn't it? You don't find him with a telescope. Now listen to me. You're not going to find him with your head either. I grieve over American Christianity that it has become so much intellectualism and so much knowledge that we learn. We have learned enough. It's not about learning. Listen to what God said. If you want to, you want to see him, do what he said. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will search for me and you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart. You'll never find God with your head. You'll never find God with a telescope. You will always find God when you humble your heart and say, I just want to know you. I want to know if you're out there. I want to know if you're in the earth today. I want to hear you. I want you to speak to me. You find God with your heart. Why were the most religious, well-trained men in the planet, they couldn't see God? There was a heart problem. It wasn't a head problem. Their hearts were blind. It was a blind heart was what it was. Did you know your heart had eyes? I'm going to show you in a minute. Open, we sing a song, open the eyes of our heart. Not these eyes, these eyes. You find God with your heart. Now, let me tell you something. You, you, can, do, you can have both. You can, know, you can have a head full of Bible knowledge and still know God with your heart. I'm not saying if you're smart, you can't know him. It's not idiots only. I mean, you can know him. Let me give you an example. When I went to college, my favorite professor was a guy named Ralph Carson. Ralph, huge, six foot six. He was portly. Looked like an NFL lineman. You know, portly is what people say when they're trying to be nice. And uh, Ralph was born in Appalachia in the mountains, very poor family in the 1930s. Blind. He was born blind. He was a little black boy, born blind. He didn't stand a chance. They sent him to the North Carolina School for the Blind in Morganton, Raymond School. He got out of high school and they, they would, they'd try to find these folks jobs. And you can understand the 1940s in America was different than it is today. They're going to find him a job. So his principal called him and said, I found you a job. 
in a broom factory. You're going to make brooms and you'll be close to your house. You can help your parents support you. And Ralph said, I'm not going to make broom. I'm not going to broom factory. He said, I'm going to college. And the principal got angry at him. Blind people didn't go to college. Black people didn't go to college much back then. And certainly not that combination. And he told him, you should be grateful for the job I'm getting you. Well, he didn't pay him no attention. And he did go to college and he went on to college, earned a PhD and became a professor of religion. And I loved him dearly, but it wasn't because he was, he was smart, had a PhD, but it wasn't because he was smart. It's because of something right here. He was so alive. He, he, he had memorized every step on the campus. He knew exactly how many steps to take anywhere he wanted to go. Great big old fellow had his little white walking cane and he was, he was pure animation. You'd watch him walking across the campus and he'd always sing when he walked. I sing because I'm happy. And he'd stop. He'd say, I'm free. And he wasn't the least bit bothered by what folks were thinking while they watched him. Because they couldn't sing. And then he'd take off and walk a little bit more and sing as he went. And he was just so alive. And he taught like this. And he'd, and he'd, get, he'd say something, he'd go like this. Whoo! And he'd blind. Side note, you could always tell when him and his wife was arguing because she dressed him. I'd tell him, we became friends. I'd preach, he was a pastor. I preached and so I said, Ms. Lois mad at you today, isn't she? And he loved Jesus so much. He knew the Bible inside and out, but it, it wasn't because of what was up here. He had it up here, but it was because of something right here. I mean, he learned the Bible, but he had heard God. He'd heard the voice of Jesus. He'd seen the eyes of his heart were wide open. He knew God intellectually, but he knew him at the heart level. Let me make an announcement. I don't care what you know with your head. If you don't see him with your heart, it's a wasted life. You can be like these ministers in this passage and know all about the Bible. Matter of fact, to have their job, did you know you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible to get through their school? How would you like to memorize Leviticus? <laughs> Go home and read it this afternoon. They knew the Bible inside and out, but they didn't know God. They'd never seen him with their hearts. Listen to me. You can study all you want to and never see God. He's got to show himself to you. Turn with me. Let's look at the eyes of our hearts. Ephesians chapter one. This is the greatest prayer you'll ever pray for yourself or your children. We're trying so much to do with training and teaching and preaching what one look at God would do with our hearts. You, you can't teach into somebody what only God can put into them. Me standing up here telling you about God by myself be like driving along the Blue Ridge Parkway and pulling over when the sun's setting and taking my blind friend out of the front seat by the arm and saying, look at it, look at it. And the sun's setting and the sky's on fire and it's beautiful. And he says, well, what's it like? And I said, well, it's orange. Isn't it? And the mountains are high, aren't they? Forget it. Until those eyes open and he sees it, you can't explain it. You got to see it with your heart. This is the greatest prayer you'll ever pray for yourself. Ephesians chapter one, verse 15. Therefore, also, after I heard of your faith in Jesus and your love for the saints, are these folks Christians? Yeah, faith in Jesus, loving people. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What's he praying for? That the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your, what? Your Bible might say understanding. The Greek word is cardia, cardia. What's our word for, what's, what word do we get from cardia? Heart. If you go to the cardiac care unit, you go to the heart unit. What do you say? I'm praying for you that God will send the Holy Spirit and the eyes of your heart will be opened, enlightened, and you'll see the beauty of Jesus and what he's done for you. Dear ones, till he opens your heart, you can study and study and go to church and read the Bible and you'll, you'll be as lost as a ball in high weeds. But if he ever opens the eyes of your heart, you will see him and you'll go, that's it. That's him right there. 
Just like Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man in John chapter 9, but Jesus closed the eyes of the preachers because they thought they knew too much. Listen to me. You don't see him because you're smart. You see him because you humble yourself. I thank you, Father, that you've hidden yourself from those who think they know everything. But you have revealed yourself to the humble who just say, just help me. Show me who you are. That's why some of the smartest people on earth can't see God. They're not dumb. They're brilliant. They're blind. And I've known people whose IQ wasn't hardly in double digits. (laughs) But they flat knew Jesus. They'd seen him. They'd heard his voice. And I mean, it was just, it was just all over him. He's got to show you himself. I don't want you to look at me. Turn, turn the page. Well, turn back to Matthew chapter 16. I want to show you something. I love to ask people, what do you think about God? I just, I have more fun talking to lost people than to do church people. I want you to look at this with me. This is the question is what different people think about God. I just love to ask people, what do you think about God? You'd be surprised the people I talk to today that are mad at him. Something went wrong in their lives and they thought he should have stopped it or he should have done different. They're mad at him. But I want you to look at one of the greatest passages. You know, Jesus is getting real famous right now. Crowds are following him. And one night he had a meeting with just his friends around the campfire. Matthew 16, 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea. He asked his disciples, what do men say that I, the son of man, who me? He said, what are people saying about me? You know, a lot of talk about Jesus. I don't know if you've ever read this book before, read the gospels, but some said he was a preacher. Some said he was demon possessed. Some said he was a deceiver, that he was a political deceiver. Everybody was saying different things about Jesus. And he just asked him, what, what are they saying about me? All right, now watch this. And verse 14, they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some Elijah, others Jeremiah, a prophet. And that was true. Matter of fact, the king at the time, he said, that's John. I cut John's head off and this is John come back from the dead. He thought he was John. Others said, no, that, that's Elijah. Anybody can do it, he's got to. So people are saying different things about what they, in other words, they're telling you what they believe about God. Here's the greatest question you'll ever answer. He said to them, what do you say about me? 15, who do you say I am? Isn't that the big question? I've heard what the professors say. I've heard what the preachers say on TV. I've heard what mama says, but my life hinges on what I say about this man. What do I think about him? All right, let's let the, pre- let's let the fishermen speak up here. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. He said, I, he said I, you're not a prophet. You're not a teacher. You are God stepped down to earth. And he sounded pretty sure, didn't he? He didn't ask. He said, no, he said, I know you're God. I know you are. Now, let me ask you a question. Trained ministers said he's not God. A dumb fisherman knows that's God right there. Explain that to me. How is it that people who graduated from Bible college think this man is not God and a redneck fisherman says, no, no, you are God Almighty. I know who you are. And maybe know this is beyond education here. Watch what Jesus said to him. Verse 17, he said, Blessed are you, Simon. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. What does that mean, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this? You didn't learn this from somebody. Watch this. But from my Father who is in heaven. Are you telling me that Simon knew what he knew because God had spoken to him? Bingo. You can sit and listen to me tell you that Jesus is God. You can go to school and learn it. But if you ever hear God tell you for himself and put it in your heart, you'll never have it taken away from you. you, There are people smarter than me, people with degrees much bigger than mine. And you can sit and talk to me all day long. You might wrap me around axes, but look right here. You'll never convince me that Jesus is not alive and well. I mean, you might, I might not be able to answer your questions. I might look like I'm as ignorant as a hick, but I'm going to tell you one thing. He's alive. Amen. And it's not because I'm smart. It's because I once was blind, but now I see. God himself has shown me who he is. I see him. You'll never unconvince me of that. I, I, people so don't, don't let them argue with the kids. They might take their faith away from them. Good. Good. If you can take their way, faith away from them, they didn't have it anyway. You, you're not going to convince me that he didn't allow. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, went to Wheaton College. She got there and after a little while, she went to see the president. She said, I'm, she said, I have lost my faith in this place. He said, no, you hadn't. He said, you lost your mama's faith. Now go get your own. That's a smart man right there. 
She believed in God because of what her mama said. But Ruth said, I came to the place where I heard his voice for myself. Try and take that away from me. And if you ever hear God with your heart, nobody can ever take it away from you. You're going to be like Simon. You don't care what the preachers say. You're going to say, I know good and well who you are and what you've done for me. And you know why? It's not because you're smart. It's because God has opened the eyes of your heart. It's because God's shown it to you. Listen, how many of you believe that Jesus is the son of God? You know it. Let me tell you something. It's not because you're smart. You have heard the voice of God. God has touched you to let you believe that. John 8, 44 said this, nobody follows me unless my father who sent me has spoken to them and drawn them. If you believe in Jesus, it's not because your mama talked. I mean, she might've talked to you or you might've did a preacher or whatever. But if if you've given your life to Jesus, you follow him, God has touched you. He has dealt with you. And you've seen Jesus with the eyes of your heart. And it's made all the difference in the world. Listen to me. When Jesus walked on this earth, some people saw a carpenter. All right. A baby's born one night to a little poor mother. And that mother knew who he was because an angel came to her and said, you're pregnant. And she said, no, I'm not. And no man ever touched me. He said, yes, you are. He said, you're going to have a baby. She said, explain this to me. He said, I'd be glad to. He said, God's going to do this. And you're going to have God's son. And I thought the angel started to leave. She said, whoa, 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 whoa. You go with me to talk to my daddy about this. You ain't leaving me over here by myself. <laughs> and she was engaged. And she went and told her husband to be. She said, I'm pregnant. And God did it. I'm going to have the son of God. He didn't believe her. There was, you can't believe anything until God speaks to you. And he was going to get rid of her. But God spoke to him and said, she's telling the truth. Now he knew who it was. And uh, three shepherds. Why does God always speak to the last folks you think he would? I praise you that you're hiding from the wise and prudent, but you're showing yourself to the humble. Three shepherds, they're minding their manners. All of a sudden, whoa. And they said, I've stepped down to the earth tonight. Go see. They said, come let us go see this thing which the Lord has shown us. And them shepherds went and found him. They worshiped him. A mom and a daddy, three shepherds, watched as God was in the earth that night. Just a few feet away, people were aggravated at God. Remember, they were behind a little hotel and the folks in the hotel were agitated because that baby's crying late at night. All they heard was a crying baby. These people saw God step down to earth because God showed it to them, but he didn't show them. The Bible said Jesus for 30 years grew up. Nobody, he didn't reveal himself. Only two people knew it. We don't know what happened to the shepherds. The two prophets knew it. They died. Only his mom and daddy knew it. And he went to school. He sat in church. God was walking right in the middle of these people. Nobody had a clue. Don't you know there was times when Jesus and his father Joseph were working in that shop? And Joseph would be working. He'd just set his hammer and chisel down. He'd look over there. And he'd look at his son's hands and say, those hands made the universe. I'm I'm, I'm building this kitchen table for this lady and God is helping me. (laughs) He's the only one that knew. And I always thought this was cute. What was the one strange thing about Jesus growing up? Does anybody remember? Now he was was the best young man in the community because he never sinned. He always turned the other cheek. He He was a fine young man. And everybody loved Jesus, but as a young man, there's always one strange thing about Jesus. What was it? Y'all remember? In that culture, everybody got married. Everybody. Girls at 15, 16, boys at 18, 19, 20, won't say to apprentice. You, I mean, singles hip today, but it wasn't back then. The, the old ladies in town always wondered, Jesus, such a nice boy. 27 years old, still living with his mama. What do you think's wrong with him? <laughs> Y'all got to remember, Jesus was a man. Don't you know there's some girls in his school that looked at him and thought he was cute? Tried to talk to him in math class? What do you, you think they lived in the Twilight Zone or something? These are normal people. Jesus is a good looking man. The nicest boy in their school, can I get a witness? And these girls would look at him and talk to him. How would, you know what I thought would be cute? Imagine this girl and she sort of likes Jesus trying to get her to like him to like her, but for some reason he just wasn't interested. He had something bigger in life. And she lives out her life and she dies. And she's standing before the throne of God and he's sitting on it. 
It'll be even funnier than that. Bear with me. They had bullies in their school just like we do. Human nature's never changed. They had rough people in their school. Jesus never bullied anybody. Matter of fact, he never responded because he turned the other cheek. He was always gracious. How would you like to have been the one who picked on Jesus in science class? Lived your life, died, and looked at the throne of God, and there he is. Mercy on me. All of a sudden, at 30 years old, he stands up in his church and says, I am the son of God. I'm here to heal your broken hearts. I'm here to break the bondage off you and set you free from your addictions. I'm here to liberate your oppression. I'm here to, what'd he say? I'm here to give sight to the blind. He wasn't talking about physical eyes. And I'm here to declare to you that God's going to be good to you. And remember what the Bible said? And they were offended at him. And they said, is this not the carpenter? All they could see was a carpenter. God is standing right in their midst and all they could see was a carpenter. Let me ask you a question. What do you see? What do you see when you look at Jesus? What do, what do, you, what do you think about, about Jesus? All right, let me, uh, let me, let me quit. We've got to bring this down to where we live right here. This is one of the strangest passages as it talks about the ability to see those who can't. There's nothing wrong with head knowledge. I hope you learned something. But dear ones, let me tell you something. I ask people all the time, do you believe in God? And just about everybody says yes. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking if you believe intellectually. Dear ones, the devil believes in God. It's not with your head. Listen to what Romans 10, 9 says. With the heart one believes. You can believe in your head and, and be clueless in your heart. You want God to touch your heart so that you know. Here's the theological term for it. You know that you know down in your knower. He's talked to me. He's real. He's real to you right here. And uh, if God ever opens eyes to your heart, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. Like that little boy, you're going to see him everywhere. Every place you look, you're going to see him. You, you're just, you're going to go. You'll, you'll spend the rest of your life going like Gomer Powell. Golly. I mean, you, you're just going to be, I go, I love, I'm an outdoorsman. I love, I wouldn't even have live in a house if I wasn't married. I just love the outdoors. Even this time of horrible time of the year. I love to go outside. Just, I live out there where there's no lights and I love to go out and just look up. You know what I see when I look up? Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. I look at the sky and I see God. Guess who named every one of them? Guess who holds them in his hand? I, uh, I've watched three children born. Uh, we didn't have children. She points out we didn't have children. She had children. But I've watched three children born. My wife's had three children. Let, let, me, let me say something to you here. How can a man and a woman come together in love? That sperm touched that seed. All of a sudden, here comes a living, breathing, thinking, heart human being. And you can't see God? You're as blind as them preachers are. I mean, God is right in front of you when a child is born. That's the greatest work of God. The greatest thoughts I ever had that me and my sweetheart came together and created a being who had a beginning, but will never have an end. You can't see God in live birth. There's something wrong with you. You look at a baby's face. You can't see God. You're, you're blind. How about romantic love? Bob's people, you talk about romantic love. Where do you think it came from? When I, I'm not talking about this nasty lust mess that's consumed our nation. I'm talking about when a man loves his wife and adores her and she loves her. And I'm not talking about, I love you, Mabel. Love you too, Hoover. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about when a man loves a woman, I'm talking about real love. I'm talking about romantic love. I mean, mm, what, what is smoking hot? Yeah, that, that kind of love. Where do you, I, I see God all over that. Who was it that looked at man and said, it ain't good for him not to have a woman? Hallmark didn't create this stuff, doc. So he puts him to sleep, puts him beside a tree, go sleep. Takes a rib, fashions a woman, brings her and stands in front of him and says, wake up, Bubba. Or, or, or look up. He opens his eyes. He's never seen another human being. I don't think he's ever seen himself unless he looked in the water. And he's looking at her, probably the most beautiful woman on earth at the time. You got to remember something. You got to remember something. 
She's buck naked. Yeah, your nay. First thing he ever sees except a giraffe. He's looking here. This, this is in the Bible. how it happened. He goes, whoa, man. The Lord said to Gabriel, all right. That's what we'll call her. Woman, woman. Call her woman. Fine. She can be woman. Where do you think this stuff comes from? <clears throat> when I see romantic love, because I don't talk about that in church. You're blind as the preachers. Listen, to, <clears throat> and you know, it's not like for a little while and then you get old and it's, come on, we're going to Walmart. Well, this it should get better with age. <clears throat> Our God is a God from increasing glory, glory to glory, not glory to crap. Proverbs chapter 5. Be enchanted with the wife of your youth as a loving deer with a graceful doe. Let her chest bless you at all times. I didn't write it. Listen to this. Always. You know what always means? Be intoxicated with her love. If we'd break with this cheap American lust we're holding on to and find the real love that God puts between men and women, you wouldn't say, that's wonderful. You'd say, whoo, yeah. <laughs> that, I see God all over this. I see him everywhere. He's in this stuff. But you, you know, if you're blind, you can't see him anywhere. When I see a father who loves his children, protects them, cares for them, cheers for them, encourages them, you know what I know? You're looking at God. That's him. Motherhood's one of the strangest things in the world to me. I guess I've never been one. But when I see a woman who would absolutely lay down her life for a child that's given her the finger at the time, you're looking at God. Only God can put that in a human heart. I see him everywhere. He, he's all over the whole thing. Every day I wake up, guess who I see? L listen to this. Psalm chapter three says this. I lay down, I slept in peace. I woke up because... The Lord sustained me. Every morning I wake up, I found him. Only reason I wake up is because he's there. We've we got to learn to see him. When I, when I drive through, we have wheat fields around our house. I drive through the wheat fields out there and I look and I, you know what I see? You say, it's grass. <laughs> Praise be unto God who brings forth vegetation for the cattle to make bread to strengthen the heart of man. I see the hand of God in crops. There's, he's everywhere. When he opens eyes of your heart, you just see him in everything. How about, uh, now I know we're supposed to be serious because we're in church. I get criticized for laughing in church. Ha ha. <laughs> when I see real laughter, I'm not talking about this dirty laughter of dirty jokes. I'm talking about your child says something and you wet your britches laughing. <laughs> I'm talking about somebody saying you just fall out of the chair laughing. I see God. Right. I say, what are you talking about? Listen to this. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like people who dreamed. You have filled our mouth with laughter. Guess who makes people laugh? You said, oh, you're so sacrilegious. You're as blind as them preachers. I see him in everything. I opened the refrigerator door the other day, something fell out. It's just two of us now. Stuff falling out of it. I said, you get mad? Mad? I see God. I will pour you out a blessing. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so there's not room enough to receive it. Right. There it is. We can't even get it all in there. That's the goodness of God. I see him in everything. Man, we, oh, when the, when the cardinal lands, I feed the bird. I love the birds. Don't mess with my birds. Send your cat over, your cat going home in a mummy bag. I love the birds. <laughs> when the cardinal lands on my sill out there to get the food I put out there, you know what I see? I see a painter who is a master colorful craftsman. I see God in the red birds. I see him in the blue birds. When they, I walk in the little children, they smile at me. No teeth. I see the face of God. Do you tell him to open the eyes of your heart. The greatest prayer you can pray is open the eyes of my heart so I can see you. So I can know that you're there. Let me ask you a question. How many times has God had his hand around you and you didn't see it? Let me ask you a question. Anybody here got anything good in their life? My, my. John, excuse me, James chapter 1, verse 17. Thanks be unto God who giveth us every good thing to enjoy 
every good gift comes from the Father of lights who shows no partiality. If there's anything good in your life, that's God. If there's any peace in your heart, He's the Prince of Peace. If there's any joy in your life at all, He created every ounce of it. If there's any hope in your life of anything, that's Him. And we, our press, show me. Open the eyes of my heart so I can see what's going on here. How many times has He reached in and taken care of your head? Mark told me recently he had to go to Africa, to Nigeria, and he was preaching, ministering there, and they said, it's dangerous there right now. They, it's just dangerous. It's crazy over there. Africa's going crazy in that, that whole region. And he said, I'm at the airport. Nobody to meet me this time. I'm going to try and get a cab and go myself, but I've been warned. Be careful. He's, you know, they don't have yellow cabs like we do. There's just anybody cabs over there. He said, they'll come through there and they'll, they'll spot these Americans and foreigners and pick you up, take you out in the country and kill you, steal your money. And he said, I walked out, got my bag and a cab pulled up and I started to step toward it. And all of a sudden I didn't realize he was there, but an arm, an arm just went like this in front of me. Said so I looked over and there's a well-dressed, great big Nigerian man, suit and coat and tie And he just put his arm out there in front of me like that. And he said, he didn't say anything. He just said, and he said, I just motioned the guy on. And he said, oh, who is this? He's just standing there quiet. And he said, another one came up. And I started to he just put his arm out. He said, and he said, I just went, go on. And he said, the third one came and I thought, we're going to do this all day. He said, I, I wanted to ask him who you are, but I sort of sensed I should cooperate. He said, besides, you're six inches taller than me. And he said, the third one came up and he, he just looked at me and he said, didn't say a word. He said, so I went over, got in the cab, and closed the door and looked back. Nobody's standing there. He said, now surely you don't think that was an angel. Are you as blind as the preachers in that passage? God's working, you can't see it? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Angels are ministering spirits sent by God from God to help those who will inherit salvation. How many times have they done something for you and you didn't even know who they were? Whether they were visible or not. Yeah, listen, dear ones, he's all around you. The question is not, where's God? The question is, will you open eyes of my heart so I can see it? Will you help me to see what's going on in my life? And, and all this stuff's happening. All right, one more. Can I show you one more? Thank you. I needed one vote. <laughs> Psalm 27. I want to show you something. Dear ones, pray this prayer right here. Why? I know we're praying for money and we're praying for health and we're praying for the Republicans to win, Democrats to win, and we're praying for the kids to act like they got some sense. Might as well give up on it. And we're praying for a new job, and we're praying to go back to our old job. And we're, I know all the things we're praying for. You really need to pray one prayer. This is the greatest, this is the man God blessed so much. He's the greatest warrior that ever lived. He's the greatest king that ever reigned. He's the greatest songwriter that ever lived. He only prayed one prayer. Make this your prayer. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord. Stop right there. You remember that genie thing? Guy finds a genie and the genie says, I'll grant one wish. God Almighty comes to you and says, ask me for one thing. What would you tell him? What would you ask for? Money? Health? A mate? What would you ask for? This man said, there's only one thing I want from God. One thing I've desired and that will I seek. Let's read it. Verse four. And that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the what? The beauty of the Lord. This man, this man walked with God like I don't think anybody else ever had. And he said, in my old age, after all I've accomplished in my old age, I don't want but one thing from him. I want to see him. I want to see his beauty. I want to see the beauty of God. When I'm driving along the Blue Ridge, I just, I just look out there and I just go, how great thou art. Look, look what you did. When I'm tooling along the coastal plains in my little flats boat and nobody's out there and the sun's setting, I just go, you done good. I'm sure he says, well, thank you. Glad to hear that. I'm glad you think I did good. I, I, just, I see him everywhere. There was when I, when I'm, if I'm alive, God is good. Pray, show me the beauty of God. When I walk through the woods, <clears throat> I just see God. When I see people that love each other, I see God. Yes. When I see a smile, I see God. Pray the, just pray this one prayer. 
Open the eyes of my heart. Let me see the beauty of God. We have a tremendous problem with mental health in our nation right now that's getting worse. Let me tell you why. We were designed to live on beauty. How many people are in mental institutions today because they couldn't find anything beautiful to look at? All they could see was the ugly. You stare at the ugly long enough and you'll collapse. We live by looking at the beauty. Pray, show me the beauty of God. I want to see your beauty more than anything else on this earth. Open the eyes of my heart. All right, I met Jesus. I wasn't looking for him. He was looking for me. He found me hard. He ta- God didn't draw me. God tackled me. And I got up off that ground at that school bus bumper. I got off that ground and something was different. God came and got me. Whack. And then I said, well, what do I do now? I knew something happened. I said, what do I do? I, mean, I couldn't keep running with the hell's angels. <laughs> you can't go to heaven running with the hell's angels. I knew I couldn't run with them anymore. And I said, well, what do I do? And the guy said, come with me to church. I thought, I didn't know no better. So I went to church. I was crazy about God because I'd met him. I, I didn't even know his name. I said, I don't know who you are, but here we go. So I go to church and I'm not being unkind. I started to say they lied to me. That, that's a little hard. They misrepresented him. By the time they got done, I thought he was the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Mad, staring at you, glaring, waiting for you to screw up, keeping records, home, stern. I got that by being around church people and listening to fat preachers in polyester suits holler. (laughs) But even as a Christian, I began to read this thing and I began to say, man, and the spirit of God opened eyes of my heart and I told him, I said, you're not mad, are you? You're not even mean, are you? You're wonderful. And then I found in here where he's smiling. I thought, so nobody, you need to go to your church. Nobody down there knows it. Bottom line, he's beautiful. Amen. And there's nothing on this planet you need more than to have the eyes of your heart open so you can see the beauty of God. I, 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 want, him to see, I want you to see him. Do me a favor. Humble yourself. I, I don't know about this God stuff. Will you at least humble yourself and start? Would you at least say, if you're out there, show me who you are. If you're there, I want to know it. And if you're a Christian and it's not going well and this ain't going like it's supposed to, maybe you ought to start over and say, help me. God responds to one thing, a humble heart. If you just humble yourself, he'll meet you every time, every time. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I praise you and bless you. I I know people love to sing the Lord is in his holy time. I just want to go, yeah, God, God, you're great. We used to say it as kids. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for everything, not just the food. I want people to see you, see the beauty of who you are. I want to pray for everybody in this room. The the apostle prayed for his church, said that he'd give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your heart might be open so you could know the hope and the beauty of God. I want people to see you. I don't want folks to go to church and try to behave. That's sort of boring to me. I want people to see the beauty of God. When they look around their table and see their family, I want them to see you smile and say, this is, this is me right here. I trust you for that. Father, I pray for every believer in this room and I trust you. Come to them. There is no way I can talk you into people. Only your spirit can cause people to see the beauty of Jesus and love him and chase him and worship him and know the glory of what they were created to be. I trust you for that. Father, those that have never even... They're like the blind man in that passage. They say, I don't even know who you are. I know you're real because I've seen you. I don't even know who you are. What do I need to do? I pray you go all over this room, open every heart in this room today. I trust you to speak to hearts and draw people to your son. Talk to them. While I'm talking, you talk to them. I trust you for that. Friend, if you're, if you're one of them people, you don't even, even know anything about him. Would you do like the blind man and just say, well, who are you? Just humble yourself. Say, well, who are you? I'm going to tell you, Jesus is the Son of God. He loves you. He died for you. He created you. Have you been breathing? That was Him. Have you been fed? That was Him. He's been caring for you the whole time. Only reason you had not been destroyed is because of the grace of God, His kindness. It's time for you to meet Him personally. Time for you to get to know the man. And you need to humble yourself and say, who are you? And you hear His voice and then you start worshiping Him like people that love him do. Let me introduce you to him right now. 
you've never decided to follow Jesus, let's do it right now. Talk to him. This is how friends talk. This is how you talk to your father. This is how you talk to the Savior. A simple prayer. Just talk to him. Say this, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth to help me, to save me, to forgive me, to love me, to give me abundant life and eternal life. I, I believe in you. And I want to come to you right now and I want to start following you. I ask you for forgiveness. Forgive me of all my sins. I repent. I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. Thank you that you've done that through the cross. And I believe I'm forgiven. I want to follow you, Jesus. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what it means. I just want to follow you. I give you my life today. You're my Lord, my Savior, my best friend. Every morning I get up, I'll look for you. Speak to me. Help me. From this day forward, I belong to you. You belong to me. Strong name of Jesus, I pray my prayer. Now, if you prayed that and you asked Jesus to take over and you want to follow Jesus, raise your hand real high. Put it up how I can see. All right, put those down. Father, I give you the praise and glory. This whole planet was created for one reason, so people could come to know you, walk with you, and find out what you've got planned for them. I trust you for that. Thank you again for your goodness. I pray more than anything else for every person. Walk up to them. Say, this is me right here. Open the eyes of their heart. I trust you for that. In the precious, precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.